0: All right, we have a special guest today uh, from Neptune's Harvest, and she's going to be here to talk about gardening and everything we want to know about fertilizer.
1: To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer.
0: The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste! Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening and give the information out for you to be successful in your garden, whether it's your first or your last. We are your hosts, Ben, the Backyard Gardener, and
1: Batavia, the Front Yard Gardener,
0: one in the country, one in the city. And this podcast is a companion podcast to the upcoming documentary, Backyard Gardens, a documentary about two families growing food for the first time in a world that lacks nutrition. Thank you for everybody for joining us today. We have a special guest. We have Anne Malloy from Neptune's Harvest. Uh, I hope I said that right, Anne. Yes. Okay. And um, we are going to talk about fertilizer because I've been using their fertilizer for many years and I love it. And um, she's going to enlighten us on all the different products they have and gardening and a bunch of stuff. So how's it going, Anne? Good. Very good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Just living the dream on quarantine, you know.
1: <laughs> Same here, working from home, not too bad. I don't mind it at all. Actually, I kind of like it.
0: Yeah, you get you get kind of used to it, don't you?
1: Yeah, it's not too bad at all. I do like it.
0: <laughs> I wonder if it's going to stay that way after this. That's the big trick, you know.
1: Yeah, that's. I bet a lot of people will stay with it.
0: So, um, so tell us about Neptune's um, harvest.
1: Um, sure. So we are a family business here in Gloucester, Massachusetts. And we are a seafood company. Our parent company is Ocean Crest Seafoods. And, uh, the property where we are at, um, the seafood company where our, where we unload the fishing boats has been in my family for about 100 years. And in the eighties, there was a plant in Gloucester that took all the fish remains and made pet food and they went out of business. And so um, my dad at the time was approached by the city and said, you know, we have all this, these, we call it gurry. Um, When you fillet a fish, 60 to 70% of the fish is left over. And um, that's called gurry. So at the time when this um, pet food company went out of business, we were forced to take all the gurry and put it on fishing boats and send it back out to sea and dump it. And so that's how we, inadvertently ended up in the fertilizer business, just trying to utilize 100% of the fish. So that's what we use to make our fertilizer.
0: That's a, uh, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I've, I've worked on fishing boats up in Gloucester and I lived up there and that's actually where I started my adult journey gardening. But, um, it's pretty cool that you guys went the route of making fertilizer. Cause I, I would think that up there, you know, selling it to the lobster industry would be a good thing for bait. But, um, you know, I think you guys did. I think it was a great move because, like I said, I've used your products for a long time, and I can almost instantly see a, a change in the products within a couple of days after I use it. So, um, you know, it's it's real. I mean, like I said, and we did that. Uh, we're running the ad for you in the part where we talk about people burying fish heads, and I mean, this is such a better method than doing that. You know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the bait industry is a good industry, but there's way more gurry than the lobstermen could ever use. So it was definitely important to find another use for it. And um, so that's really why we ended up in the business. But yeah, the Indians did it. We knew all the Italian fishermen always had the best tomatoes in the city because they were always burying their <laughs> fish remains in the in the soil under their tomatoes. So my dad had the, the foresight to say, you know what, I have five kids in this family, um, several nieces and nephews. And maybe if we can utilize 100% of the fish instead of just 30 to 40%, we can keep everybody employed. So um, we unload the boats, we fillet the fish, the, the fillets go to the restaurants or whatever, and the rest we grind up the same day while it's still fresh, not stinky at all, so it's not smelly like a fish emulsion. And um, we, it goes through this auger looking thing, comes out like hamburger, then it goes into these um, tanks with high powered pumps that whip it around, and the enzymes that are naturally in fish along with the, the pumps, Um, liquefy it within 24 hours. And then we stabilize it with just enough phosphoric acid to bring the pH down to 3.5. And that way it has an indefinite shelf life until you add water. So it'll last forever. And then we screen it through several processes, but the final screening is a 150 micron, which looks like cloth. It's so fine. So you can run it through any type of sprayer because we sell it to farmers that run it through spray equipment as well as home gardeners that attach it to the sprayers on their gardening hose. And we even sell it to people that run it through drip tape. So um, it's, it comes out looking like chocolate milk. It's not stinky like an emulsion and you can spray it through anything or run it through drip tape without worrying. You just have to um, flush your lines when you're done running the fish through so that the oils in the fish don't build up in there. But that's it. It's one ounce per gallon of water. So it goes really far and you can spray it on absolutely everything that grows.
0: So yeah, one ounce per gallon. I mean, You know, you you can buy, I mean, what sizes do you guys sell for, um, you know, in general for your liquid emulsions?
1: We have pints, quarts, gallons, five gallon pails, 55 gallon drums, 275 gallon bulk totes and a 4,600 gallon tanker truck.
0: So all of the gardeners out there listening today are going to be getting tanker trucks of this stuff. I bet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have one truck and one driver, and believe me, he stays very busy. I bet
0: he does. I bet he does because it it really does look like chocolate milk. Um, I would never drink it, but it definitely looks like chocolate milk when you pour it out. And a, an ounce to a gallon—that goes. I mean, it, it stretches pretty far.
1: Right, a gallon makes 128 gallons of fertilizer when you're using it for
0: home use. Right. And you guys have a garden at the, I guess, is it the plant or what is it?
1: Yeah. So we have um, expanded because the fish company down on on the wharf where we are is just was kind of small to keep expanding. So we bought a warehouse in an industrial park a few miles away. And that's where my office is. And that's where... We load and unload the trucks. We have a bottling labeling machine there. And I got to move my office over there, which is awesome because it doesn't stink as bad. <laughs> um, but that's where we have our raised bed gardens there at the uh, at the warehouse office and, and facility.
0: And how big are the gardens you guys have?
1: Um, they're pretty big. It's shaped like a, a U kind of. And so it's uh, about 10 feet and then maybe six feet and then another 10 feet in the U pattern and they're about four feet deep. And we put some good, um, local compost in there and, uh, potting soil. And, um, and so, yeah, that's where we grow quite a bit of stuff. And then we have fish totes and, um, some other containers that we grow in all around that little area.
0: And is it your job to take care of the garden?
1: Uh, not mostly I do help, but, uh, we have an employee, John Turner, and he is the, the gardening guru. He does most of our planting, starting our seeds and taking care of it. We all take turns fertilizing it and watering it and picking things and pruning things, but he, he does most of it.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I've seen pictures of it on Instagram. It's really pretty. And, um, you know. I think it's great that you're a fertilizer company that grows your own vegetables, and I imagine you guys are using your own products. Absolutely, yeah. and
1: we do a lot of tests, you know, so we'll put, you know, some tomatoes, we'll get the fish and seaweed blend, and then we'll do another one that has the tomato and veg just to compare, and so we can, you know, we use it as a test garden also.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. So what is the... um what is the order in which you would use some of these different products? Cause I mean, I know you guys have like the fish seaweed blend, which is the one I use and you've got hydrolyzed fish fertilizer and seaweed plant food and you know, all this different stuff. So what is, is there like an order in which you use your products or in your garden Um, or?
1: Well um, yeah. So we have the fish, the straight fish, the straight seaweed, the fish seaweed blend, we have a tomato and veg, rose and flowering, lawn starter, turf formula, liquid crab and lobster, which is brand new. And then we have dry crab and lobster shell and dry kelp meal. So the two dry products, the kelp meal and the crab and lobster shell, get mixed in the soil, potting mix, wherever you're growing in prior to planting. And the crab shell is a 530 NPK, but it has about 17 to 23 percent calcium it's got uh, 1.3 to 1.7 magnesium so great CalMag mag ratio it's also high in something called chitin spelled c-h-i-t-i-n and that will build chitin eating bacteria in the soil so grubs ants fungus root nematodes um, a lot of things that are chitin based in structure will get eaten So it it has that insecticidal property. Also, it really aerates the soil. It's a natural slow release because some of the chunks are big, like the size of your fingernail maybe, uh, pinky fingernail maybe, all the way down to a grain of sand. So the smaller chunks are immediately available. The bigger ones break down slowly over the season. So you just put it in once a year prior to planting. And those, if you get it nice and deep, those roots are going to reach for those shell chunks as a food source and wrap around them. So the deeper you get that, the deeper your roots, the deeper the roots, the stronger the plant and the higher the yield. So it's just a fantastic thing um, to put in the soil before planting, but it has no potassium. And that's where the kelp meal comes in. The kelp meal has your potassium and a lot of trace minerals, which roots need to grow, plus it doubles in size when it gets wet. So it really retains moisture in the soil. And that's a 101 NPK. So if you mix the two together in the soil prior to planting, you're going to have your full NPK plus your CalMag plus your Chitin, plus your trace minerals. So even if it's a real wet year and you don't get out there to liquid feed the the fish or the fish and seaweed or any other of our liquids, you're still getting all the nutrients to that plant through the root zone. So it's going to have a great start. So that's what you do to start. And then after that, you just come back and foliar feed the liquids once a week um, throughout the whole growing season. And, and you will have the best garden of your life.
0: Yeah, that's, a, um, that's an all-encompassing um, kind of, product not product structure um fertilizing structure for your garden because you're starting in the soil all the way up to the foliage which is i mean that's awesome and a lot of people i think uh it's not common to see like crab and lobster shell and stuff in it um so how did you like how did you come up with that
1: just another way to use utilize 100 of um the crab and the lobster shell a lot of that was going to landfills, and now we can utilize it. Um, we dry it and crush it, basically. Um, so it, it's it got an indefinite shelf life, and it's just um, it's got so many benefits. The more we use it, the more benefits we find out about. So yeah, we um, you know grubs on a lawn that's huge to do organically. Uh, root nematodes, people that have root nematode problems just rave about the results with that um just a lot of different benefits blossom end rot powdery mildew black spot on roses just so many so um, the crab benefits help,
0: the crab helps with powdery mildew
1: yes because it's a type of fungus I am... and the, if you get powdery mildew on the leaves the liquid seaweed as a foliar feed will wipe it out in a couple days within an application or two it'll be gone it's brought back plants that look like they were on death's door right back to life very quickly with just one ounce per gallon foliar feed liquid seaweed
0: now see now i'm, I'm heartbroken because you know how many times i've had to fight that and i did not know that that was the case um yeah because you know like i said i started my gardening journey up there in uh plymouth massachusetts but when i came back home to north carolina it's so humid here that the powdery mildew is just rampant and I've tried everything and it never once occurred to me to put the same product that I use for a lot of other things onto the fo- the foliage to kill it. So I'm, um, I'm all over that. And I yeah, think a we, lot of people are cheering right now hearing that.
1: <laughs> we keep learning from our customers. People try things and tell us what happens and then we try it ourselves. It's like, wow, yep, yeah, there's yeah. another thing. Yeah, Another thing that we learned from our customers is the straight fish is an amazing deer repellent. We sell it to farmers that could care less it's organic. They could care less it's fertilizer. They buy it for a deer repellent.
0: <laughs> That's um. I mean, and deer is a real problem, and it makes sense because their sense of smell is so high that you would you you know a lot of people are like oh we'll, we'll plant lavender or other things around the garden, but you know something that would really get into their nose and keep them away that that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, so, they're
1: vegetarian and they just don't like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. So for all the people that are kind of new to fertilizing, um, what is NPK exactly?
1: Nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So to be a complete fertilizer, you need NPK. And that's why our liquid um, seaweed is a 001. Um, so we have to put plant food on the label. You can't call it a fertilizer unless it has NPK.
0: Okay, so what does the, um, the nitrogen do?
1: Um nitrogen is um just essential for all growth. It gives you a lot of volume to your plants and makes them grow strong and big. Uh the phosphorus is for budding. Um the higher the phosphorus, the more blooms you'll get. That's why when you see flowering formulas it has a higher phosphorus. And potassium is just essential for root growth and helping the plant be strong and healthy and hardy. It Will help with sh- uh, the shelf life on produce. Um, it helps with the stress of the plant, uh, things like that.
0: Right. So, because you know, you see a lot of fertilizers that are like, you know, 10, 10, 10 or whatever. And that's just a well balanced fertilizer, right?
1: Yeah. Well, if you see 10, 10, 10 or 20, 20, 20, 20 which is what Miracle Grow is, that's just NPK. That's all you're getting. With the fish, it's our straight fish is a 2, 4, 1. People might say, oh, that's just much too low to get any growth. But what you have to take into account is it's not only just the the NPK, but with the fish, you're getting the macronutrients, which is what NPK is, your macronutrients, but also micronutrients, trace elements, amino acids, vitamins, enzymes, trace minerals, growth hormones that are naturally in fish that make fish grow plus all your omega oils and enzymes, which feed the soil. So you're giving that plant everything it needs in nature's perfect balance. The whole world was under ocean water at one time. And ever since then, all our soil has been demineralizing. So you get the products from the ocean on your on your plants and soil. They get very happy very quick. It's got everything, you know, like our blood in our veins is about one element off from salt water. That's, that's why they can use saline solutions for people and transplants and transfusions, I mean, um, because salt water is very similar to our blood. So it just makes sense why it, it has everything in the nature's perfect balance and it works so well. And it increases the, the, the relative feed value and the total digestible nutrients in your crops. So you're growing very nutrient dense food that's going to be so much healthier for you when you're using something like our fish compared to a strictly NPK fertilizer.
0: Right. Yeah, because you know, and you would be the person to ask this because I don't want to spread woo woo science out there, but I have always been under the impression that the number like ten 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 twenty 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 two three one whatever it. It doesn't really matter what the number is; it matters what the ratio is between the three. Is that correct?
1: Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of yeah. If you're getting just NPK, um, then you know that ratio is important because you you know you're getting more nitrogen with a with a ten or a twenty than a ten. You're getting double the amount of nitrogen, right? Um, but with the with the organics, it's not as important because you're giving it all the nutrients in nature's perfect balance with the fish and seaweed.
0: Right, and it's just like with us, where people see it, you know, they, you know, you're, you know, you're supposed to get protein and carbohydrates and all that, but it's all the vitamins and minerals and stuff. So it's the exact same idea that people and gardeners should be able to relate with that because you know a lot of people grow their food because they're interested in getting different vitamins and nutrients other than their you know, I don't think anybody grows a garden because they want to they hit their protein value every day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, if you're growing your own food, why would you want to put chemicals on it, you know, yeah. and then they just destroy your biological life or your soil. And the weaker the plant, the more insect damage you're going to have. It's nature's way of survival of the fittest. So a strong, healthy plant with high bricks, which is your sugar, is not going to have the insect damage. So our fish and seaweed, especially the fish and seaweed blend, really raises the bricks. Your sugar gets so high in that plant that you hardly see any insect damage, just because insects can't digest sugar. They'll go to the weaker, dying plant to get rid of it over the healthy, strong plant, letting those flourish.
0: Right, and that's where you know all those micronutrients and stuff come in, because you know one lesson I learned last year. And I actually need to take what I learned last year and apply it today is if there's a plant that's weak, go ahead and get rid of it. Cause that's like the weak link in your garden that can bring in those insects and stuff like that. Right. So. Right.
1: And you get the high bricks, things are going to taste better. You'll have the best taste in produce and, and, and um, the vegetables and the fruit and the herbs. I mean, it really brings out the aroma and the flavor and the herbs. So if you like to cook, you're going to just have the best tasting food right outside your your home if you grow
0: your own with this stuff you can't go wrong with that so and so your your seaweed is zero zero one what is that used for
1: so that is um uh, i call it our um our rescue product if your plants are going through any stress at all that's when you want to hit it with that seaweed if there's a drought or if there's a chance of frost and you haven't harvested everything yet you'll get some drought protection if you've had a hailstorm and everything's looking terrible or high winds and everything's knocked over give it some straight seaweed it'll rescue it so that's that's kind of why we like that straight seaweed and have that option for people um and then there's vegetarians that just won't use the fish and they they love the straight seaweed so that's another option for them
0: yeah yeah but, i was um, when i started using your product i was actually vegan and um i still didn't have a problem with it because it's not like you were going out, sending the boats out to catch fish specifically for this reason. Right. Right. You mean yeah. you were kind of like, Oh, there's leftover, like we'll take that and make it better use of everything. Cause you're not going to stop the fishing industry. I mean, i worked in the fishing industry. I saw how it went down and um, I was actually on the boats that brought you guys some fish sometimes doing that stuff. That's, so it was, um, that's awesome. Yeah. It was really cool to see. And and that's, and I was already using your product and I remember one of the captains on the boat, he was like, yeah, this is the trash. And I'm like, what are you going to do with the trash? And he's like, oh, we sell it to Neptunes. And I was like, for real? And that's when it kind of clicked with me. And I mean, I'd always used it, but it was very prevalent up in New England. You know, you could buy it anywhere. It was pretty much falling off the trucks up there. And then since I've gotten down here, it's, it's come down here more and more often, which has made me extremely happy to see. Um, but you have lawn starter stuff, too, for your lawns.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the tomato and veg, rose and flowering lawn starter and turf formula all have the same ingredients in varying amounts. They have fish, seaweed, molasses, humate, yucca, um, microbes and liquid calcium. So it's a very high energy mix that a lot of growers like to use anyway, landscapers, golf courses, um, You know, cannabis growers, a lot of growers are mixing these ingredients anyway. So we came up with these products that have a lot in it that people like to use all in one product, keeps it very simple, um, easy for the customer. And then um, the turf formula is a zero phosphorus because a lot of communities are coming up with phosphorus bans. So if your community has a zero phosphorus law for lawns, we have the turf formula. But if not, I would suggest the lawn starter, even though it says lawn starter, it's really the same thing, except it has, it's stabilized with phosphoric acid instead of citric acid, which is what we use to stabilize the turf formula. So, you know, lawns do need some phosphorus. um, So it's not a big deal to put it out there in the ratios in our product is safe. Um, So yeah, you just spray it on your lawn once a month, one gallon of concentrate for 8,000 square feet. And it keeps it very healthy and green. We sell it to golf courses in Hawaii and all over the country. But um, even Hawaii, they spend a fortune to ship it there because they love the results so much.
0: Now, why would they have a phosphorus ban for lawns and stuff like that?
1: It's mostly a chemical phosphorus from run, for uh, runoff. Right. And it creates algae blooms and different um, coastal pollutant problems if you put too much phosphorus not that our product's going to do that, but high phosphorus uh, lawn fertilizers, which is all chemical, right. then that's where it becomes a problem.
0: Okay, and what's the humate? I've never, I haven't heard of that.
1: Um, humate is like taking the very best of a compost pile and putting it into a high into a liquid concentrate. So humate is made from lignite before coal turns to coal. It's lignite, so they mine it like from coal mines in Pennsylvania. That's that's where ours comes from. And this Russian scientist developed a process to extract only what's usable by the plants from this lignite. So the humate we use, we sell it in gallon jugs also um, on our website straight. And it's a concentrate, also uh, very concentrate. And it's just, um, it's it has a lot of minerals. And like I said, it's like taking the best of a compost pile and making it very easy into a liquid spray.
0: Yeah, that's... Um- that Russian guy, man, he's a he's a genius. <laughs> Let's sit down and <laughs> it's think really that the up. old dirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, yep. um, when you go through, so like for me, and you know, fertilizing is a struggle for me. I feel like it's a complicated science when, in fact, it sh- I don't think it is. And the way I usually do it is, I start off with the uh, fish seaweed blend and I, and that's just cause of what I've always used. And I just start off with that and I do that intermittently throughout the year. And then I use like a regular granular, um, fertilizer, but after looking through all of your products and, and basically talking through you, I feel like there's like a better approach to go about it. Um, and I'm not sure if that's correct or not. Cause I mean, like I kind of missed the boat in my garden this year to mix in some of the dry, uh, crab shell you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, after I use my fish seaweed blend, is there like an order in which I should move to something else, like the high, like I'm the fish not- fertilizer, or is it kind of like whatever you your desire out of your plants for the NPK ratios?
1: Yeah, you could use the fish and seaweed, foliar feed early in the morning, once a week through the whole season. You can even start with soaking seeds and then your seedlings and then your transplants. You dig the hole, you pour the liquid fish and seaweed in there with the water, and then you put your transplant in quick. And all that moisture, all that liquid goes, sucks right into that root ball, prevents transplant shock, gets it off to a great start. And as a foliar feed, it's systemic, which means it can go in through the leaf, down the stem, into the roots. So no matter what's in your soil, you're getting all that nutrient straight to the root zone. That's why we say early in the morning, because the pores on the leaves are open to accept the morning dew. And in the heat of the day, they close to retain moisture. Then they open again at night. But if you spray at night, you can get fungus and things. Right. Um, Unless it's a real dry year or you're in a very dry climate, then in the evening is fine also. But um, you really don't need anything else. I swear, you can just go through your whole season with fish and seaweed. If you're doing it once a week, you're going to have amazing results. Now, if you're going to use the tomato and veg and the rose and flowering, those are kind of developed for cannabis growers, but it's good for any plant that flowers. You get a lot of um, vegetation first, so you're using your tomato and veg, and then before the blossoms start you switch over to the flowering and then you get a lot more blooms buds um so that's kind of a good two-part and if you use your tomato and veg the whole year you're going to still see great results because the middle number is still higher so you're going to get your blooms right and if you just use the rose and flowering on your flowers all year it's going to work great just two standalone products are great but ideally if you can use the tomato and veg first and then switch it over to the rose and flowering Then, you know, that's a great two-pot program. But um, before we even made those products, um, everybody was using the fish and seaweed, and and I'm a huge fan of the fish and seaweed. It'll grow amazing results on everything. We sell to all the giant pumpkin growers. They're growing 2,000-pound pumpkins with this stuff. They absolutely love it.
0: I noticed that (laughs) last night. I was looking through your Facebook. and Well, first of all, I noticed two things. I noticed a lot of cannabis, which to me... You know, I'm a little bit older. It's still weird to see people openly posting pictures of cannabis online. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was really cool to see that. And then I saw like an abnormal amount of like huge pumpkins. And I was wondering what that was all about. And that was just like a product like they have figured out that it works really good with them or... Yeah.
1: We had a guy here in Massachusetts grow one that was 990 pounds years ago. And he said miracle Grow offered him money to say he used it. But he (laughs) called us. He said, truth be told, I used your fish fertilizer. (laughs) (laughs) And so we did an ad with him in it. And uh, the pumpkin grow has all started to get uh, turned on to it. And now it's like... We have a cult-like growing of uh, giant pumpkin growers. They love our stuff. All the guys that are growing the huge ones are using it. I think it really helps um, the stress of the plant so they don't crack. And it's just you're giving all those nutrients to it that it needs. So um, they've jumped. From when I first started learning about giant pumpkins and they were all trying to reach that 1,000-pound mark, and now the biggest one grown in North America was two thousand five hundred twenty eight pounds grown with our stuff in new hampshire
0: wow uh, year
1: before last so they've come a long way now they're all talking three thousand pounds
0: (laughs) three thousand pounds what so do you know why they do you know why they grow those big pumpkins
1: Oh, it's a hobby. It's a lot of fun, and it's very addicting. Be careful if you start it. <laughs> you need a huge amount of room, and you will become addicted. And at the end, you'll be out there sleeping with it at night to make sure that nothing happens to it.
0: And I've they heard get about big that. prize
1: money. You know, not only bragging rights, but you get real big prize money too at the local fairs.
0: Yeah, I've heard that it's um, it's real addictive, and you have to like baby them, which is crazy because yeah. you think like two thousand pounds, like it's good to go, but. Um that's a huge pumpkin man. That's crazy. So you're <laughs> a flower all- gardener, correct?
1: Yeah, I grow flowers on my deck. I have uh, railing boxes um all around my deck and uh yeah, all throughout my yard. We have a lot of flowers. We're big into that.
0: See, Batavia who's the co-host of the podcast, she had a previous um engagement so she couldn't be on. She's going to be upset because she is a flower gardener too. She loves them. Um and she's in Chicago. So, what kind of flowers are you growing?
1: Oh, I just go to my local nursery here and buy whatever looks pretty. And I try to get a bunch of different colors. And it's like a, it's like being an artist with a canvas, you know. You put your different colors that match each other and you like together. So, uh, I go. I have rose bushes, and we have a lot of lilacs in the yard, and um, a lot of perennials that come up every year. But in my little deck boxes, I just pick whatever looks beautiful at the nursery. Um, I don't know all the names so well. I have friends that could tell you every single one easily. But one thing I can tell you is this fertilizer brings out the color in the flowers so much. I do a radio ad out here and one of my lines is, flower growers, get your sunglasses out because you're going to want to use them when you're looking at how bright those colors
0: are. (laughs) are You're a gardener like me where you grow it and you don't know what the name of it is, but you love it. And yep, I think that's exactly. awesome because a lot of people, and I mean, and you can apply it to any part of gardening, especially fertilizing. And I think I'm guilty of it is you overcomplicate it and right. they think that like, oh, I have to have everything cataloged, this, that, and the other, and in all reality, just grow it and enjoy it. And apparently like I've learned so far today is that I just need to fertilize it and enjoy it and not overthink it. And that's apparently yep. something I've been doing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's why our products are great. It makes things so easy. whether you There's another line from my commercial, whether you know what you're doing or not, you'll look good right. and you'll feel good because you're doing the right thing for the environment and the earth.
0: <laughs> you sound like you've done that a few times. <laughs> uh, a couple yeah. 50 takes. Yeah. <laughs> and so the and you said the crab and lobster is specifically so you mix that in as like a soil amendment. Yes. Okay. So that's not something you do. And I, I just, a reason why I'm going back over it is because I don't want people listening to it. Who's already started their garden is you don't plant your garden and then add it. You add it before, right?
1: Ideally, because you want to get those shell chunks nice and deep for those roots to reach for. But right. if you've already planted, you can absolutely get one of those little claw rakes, um, hand claw things and just scratch it in the best you can around the plant and water it in because it will all those nutrients will go into your soil. So it's still not too late. You can do it. Okay. Um, But next season, mix it in nice and deep before you plant.
0: Okay. Yeah. And a lot of people, um, some people like to turn their beds over and that would be a perfect time to do something like that. Cause I mean, I do compost, but I I cold compost uh, basically because I'm lazy. Truth be told, and I don't feel like turning it all the time, but once you, you know, if you people add in compost, I think that would be a good thing too, because, and I know, so like, and everybody's, everybody take a drink. I'm going to say it. I grow bonsai. And when we do that, you put, um we use like sharp um just to, to be like, to dumb it down like sharp rocks in it to cut the roots and actually make more feeder roots. Does this work in the same aspect where it kind of, you know, the roots will hit it, and because it's sharp, it'll cause them to split and make more feeder roots to create stronger plants. Do you know?
1: Um, I've never heard that. I'm not a bonsai grower, but it makes sense. I mean, the shell chunks are shot. Okay. You can put it over the soil, and the slugs won't crawl over it because it'll cut them. Okay. So I could see that working. And then if you dig, if you plant it with bulbs, the critters won't dig up your bulbs because it cuts their pads. Um, so I could see that working. That makes sense to me.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it into my bonsai plants necessarily, but the, the concept of it for your regular vegetable plants and, and flowers, it could possibly do the same thing. Um,
1: and you mentioned compost. I want to say before I forget that it's a great compost enhancer, the fish. If you spray your compost pile with the fish, you can get usable compost in half the time. Yeah, and I do gonna that. it's going to be a lot better quality.
0: Yeah, I've always added some of it to my compost as well. Um, and because the thing too that's actually really good about it is the compost needs water to continue to grow. So if you're adding the fish to it with mixed with water, you're kind of doing two things at once. Yep. And, that, and that, you're
1: that, feeding all those microbes and the biological life and the fish is a food source for microbes. Um, beneficial bacteria, things like that. So it'll just multiply it and make just such a better quality. And if you brew compost tea, perfect for that, because you'll get a much higher biofungal mass when you add the fish because it's that food source for those microbes.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it does speed. I know for a fact that it speeds it up. I've seen it happen, So, and I've read a lot of stuff about it. And I've always, and so it's funny, I've read about it and they always say, use a fish seaweed fertilizer, but they never say Neptune's fertilizer. Yeah. Neptune's well, Dr.
1: Elaine Ingham, who's the compost tea guru, she recommends our fish all the time because it comes from the ocean, not lakes or rivers or um, warm water. It's cold water well off the coast of New England. So it's very cold, clean, dark, mineral rich ocean water. And we use multiple species of fish, where a lot of fish have just one species. So she does highly recommend our fish. She also told us that on the test she did with our product, the straight fish is better than the fish and seaweed, because the seaweed had a little bit of salt, I guess, that kind of brought down your biofungal mass. She recommends seaweed, but she says to put it in when you're spraying the tea, not to brew with it. She said, just go straight fish when you're
0: brewing. Interesting. That's that's interesting. And who is this that you're t- you're talking um,
1: about? Have you ever heard of Soil Food Web? That's her company. Uh, her name is Dr. Elaine Ingham. Okay. I n g h a m, I think. Um, and she is like the guru of compost composting.
0: Okay. Yeah, composting is um, it's a simple process, but it seems to be like a true art if you get down to it. It's interesting. I'm not yeah. to the art aspect of it yet, though. Um,
1: I, I don't do it because I, I have great results with just using our product. So it seems like extra work, but I know a <laughs> lot of people do it and love it and, you know, rave about it.
0: Yeah. And I see that you have a, um, a hot pepper wax animal repellent. And that's a very interesting thing to me. Um, how do you recommend that? Cause I've always used uh, cayenne pepper on my plants to try and keep the deer away. Is yep. that kind of the same thing? Cause it gets yeah. in their nose and makes them sneeze and stuff.
1: Yeah. It's a cayenne pepper and uh, paraffin wax, which just helps it stick onto the plant. But I do have some sad news about that. The, we don't make that product. We just offer it to our customers because they're always asking for, um, natural insect repellents, but hot pepper wax company has gone out of business. Uh-oh. Um, just recently we took all of their inventory and we have it. And once it's gone, I do believe it's gone
0: oh no because yeah. of, you know animal repellent is a real thing that people it there are so many ways that people post it you to get rid of different pests and hot peppers has always been a popular one because they don't bother birds and keep you know squirrels out of bird feeders and stuff like that yep. and all that and and i mean like the cedar scent stuff that you guys have like i've, I've seen a lot of stuff about that and it's um... yeah the
1: cedar is really good we have a dry um well actually you can get dry we don't have it on our website but we can get it but we have a liquid cedar um which is really good um like your cedar closet kept the you know moths away from your clothes same thing it's a natural insect repellent we also have something called best yet and that's on our website and that is like off you spray it on yourself your kids your pets and it's deep free it's just a really nice smelling cedar oil, and it feels good on your skin, and it will keep ticks off of you, ticks off of your pets, mosquitoes, no things like that, it works just as good as off, if not better, Deep free, feels good, smells good, you feel safe about lathering yourself in it, your kids, and I'm telling you, for ticks, it's the best thing I've ever found in my life, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and ticks in New England are, are no joke. Those things are right. brutal up there and they're scary to get too.
1: Yeah. You can get Lyme disease. Yeah. Um, we were on an Island in Maine and my friend um, and I, and she had her dog with her and um, he ran around for a few minutes, came back, he was covered with ticks. So she picked them all off, sprayed the cedar oil, uh, the best yet on him. And the rest of the weekend, uh, we were even there like a long weekend. It was like four days. He never came back with another tick the whole time we were there.
0: Wow. That's yeah. a, that's awesome. I mean, that's a testimonial on itself because, like, my dog, I'm always picking ticks off of her. The only difference is, is where we live now, we don't really have Lyme disease, so it's not that big of an issue. But I know up there, if I got a tick bite, it was instant. You had to take the antibiotic and get prepared and all that stuff. So,
1: Yeah, Lyme disease is no joke.
0: Yeah. And then, so to kind of go back to fertilizing um, stuff, you know, a lot of people, and especially... A lot of the new gardeners out here, um, they don't understand how fertilizing works or they know that they need to do it. But like if you have your seedlings going, because a lot of people right now are moving their seedlings outside. Um, right. should, should you use like a full strength or should you dilute it a little bit when you use it?
1: OK, so for starting seeds, you use one tablespoon of the fish and seaweed blend is my point personal recommendation, um, per cup of water and you just soak the seeds till they begin to swell. So a small seed, you might only soak for a couple hours, big seeds you might soak overnight. Um, so you soak the seed, then you put it on your, um, you know, your paper towel or however you want to germinate them and you can water them with a little bit of the fish, um, maybe a half ounce um, which is one tablespoon per gallon of water. And you just, you know, wet the paper towel till you get good germination and sprouts. Then you put it in your little pods there where you germinate them and you feed them every time you water at a, at a diluted, uh, uh, more diluted than normal um, strength. So half ounce, one tablespoon per gallon of water. Only mix what you're going to use up because you cannot store the fertilizer once it's diluted. Um, if you have extra leftover, bring it outside, put it on your, any plant you have or a new grass, whatever, but get rid of it. Don't store it diluted. And then once you're ready to move them outside they're big enough, they have, you know, four or five, six inches tall. They have good primary leaves on them. Then you go full strength, one ounce, which is two tablespoons per gallon of water. And like I said before, when you dig that hole, pour that liquid right in that hole and then quickly put that root ball in so that it just like absorbs all that liquid in there, and you won't have any transplant shock. Um, and then after that, once a week, full your feed. Also wet the soil because it'll build your organic matter. It'll feed your biological life. It'll make your soil looser, not so hard packed, so it'll drain better, retain moisture better. Um, and yeah, then full strength, one ounce per gallon, once a week, right through harvest. Now when the plant has a lot of flowers on it um your tomatoes are in full bloom um your your roses are in full bloom i don't like to spray the fish right on the roses or right on the flowers or the blooms so at that point i'll just do a little bit of a heavier root feeding right and then once the blooms are gone and the fruit and the vegetables are out on the plant i go right back to foliar feeding won't hurt a thing zero flavor transfer Once it goes into the plant, it changes chemistry and it doesn't give you any flavor transfer. If you sprayed your strawberries and then you picked them without washing them right away, of course, then yes. But as long as it has time to absorb into that plant, never any problem with flavor transfer at all.
0: Yeah, I've never noticed that. Now, I mean, I agree with you. you well, first of all, I have to go on the record saying if you water your strawberries with it and then you pick it and eat it right away, you deserve to get that flavor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've never had the flavor actually transfer over to the um, the vegetable, which is, um, you know, at first it was kind of a worry because it does smell like fish. I mean... I think it does at least. And
1: yeah, it's not disgusting, but it's no. definitely not perfume.
0: <laughs> no, it is not like a, you know, a rotten fishing boat, but it definitely smells like fish. But you have to remember you're diluting it. And actually mine wouldn't be as bad because apparently I've been um, under diluting it. I've been feeding it too strong. Uh, so I need to pay attention to that. But um, my cat loves it when I do that. She yeah. uh, She's like instantly all over it. So be aware of where your cats are when you're doing that, um, you know, you don't want them to get in there and start digging in the dirt and stuff like that. Right.
1: But if they, if you have a watering can and like your phone rings and you, you leave the watering can, they'll (laughs) drink it. And it's fine for them. It's totally healthy. We sell it as animal feed and pet food stuff. So you certainly can. We have farmers that spray their feed with it for, you know, better protein. So it's not, I mean, we get a call every once in a while My dog drank the liquid. My cat drank the liquid. Not a problem. It's completely fine. And if you're allergic to um, seafood, you can still spray this on your crops and not worry about eating it. Um, It it changes um, chemistry. And so it's fine if you're allergic to Uh, seafood. Um, You can still use this on your crops and not worry.
0: I didn't even think about that. So if you have like a shellfish allergy, it won't, um, you know, if, if you mix everything into the soil, it still won't bother it bother you right yeah okay because
1: once it goes to the plan it changes molecular structure or whatever i'm not a scientist but it changes enough that it's yeah it's not a problem
0: yeah that's interesting i did i would have never see that's why i don't have my own um product making company because i would never think about (laughs) that kind of stuff um that's that's crazy so we learn
1: everything from our customers
0: yeah So is there any kind of tip that you could give somebody that's uh, starting out fertilizing or like with a new garden as far and you know, as far as like fertilization goes?
1: use it. Don't forget like, you know, people that say it didn't work. It's like, well, how often did you use it? Yeah. (laughs) It actually works way better if you actually put it on the plant, not just leave it in the bottle in your shed.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: That's it. You got to get it on there to see the results. You have to have to get it on there.
0: Yeah. And does it, um, can you burn the plants with it?
1: No, that's another really good point. It's almost impossible to over-fertilize. You know, it's a low pH. So you want to add some water. If you pour it on straight on a tiny seedling, yeah, you might hurt it because it's such a low pH fertilizer. But um but no, it's when you're mixing it with water, it's impossible to over-fertilize. You could never burn a plant or hurt it with this. Okay. Just don't fertilize in the heat of the day on a hot summer day. You don't even want to put water on your plants. Cause it acts like a magnifying glass and can burn the leaf, but yeah, no safe, completely safe.
0: Yeah. That's important too. Cause I know like, you know, I don't want to really talk bad about it, but you know, miracle grow, I know that you can easily burn a plant with that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've not used a whole lot of it, but I know that that's always been like the fear is that if I use miracle grow in a too strong of a ratio, then it will burn the plant, and that's a lot of reason too why, for a long time, I didn't fertilize that much, is because I was worried about burning a plant, and then having something that you don't really have to worry about. Because I mean, these are your little babies. You've taken care. Some people have taken care of them from seed all the way to harvest, and then straight to compost, so they get a full life cycle out of it. And you don't want to burn it up. So,
1: right. It's like and a. Then- That stuff's going to kill your biological life of your soil, too. Then your soil's dead. Now you have zero nutritional value in your plants. I mean, that's a lot of problem with commercial agriculture and our food supply not being as nutrient-dense as it used to be um, and not having the flavors and the sugars because you're just killing that soil, and then you just need higher and higher NPK all the time to get anything to grow.
0: Yeah, do, do you know why that is? I'm curious
1: Um, it, it just, it, it kills your soil. So you have dead soil and then it becomes very hard packed. And that's a lot of the problems with flooding. Now our soil is not draining like it used to, and you get a lot more flooding. Um, so it's just, it's just not healthy soil at all. And that's why you have more insect damage and disease. And that's why you have to use more pesticides and herbicides and it's a vicious cycle. So if you can grow organically, you're doing yourself a huge favor.
0: Yeah. I mean, but is there something in the other, you know, in other non-organic fertilizers that causes that, like a particular it's, element or it's, ingredient? It's,
1: it's chemical. It's toxic. I mean, okay. a lot of these chemical fertilizers started as Agent Orange.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, once you put it like that, then it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. So um, okay, well, I mean that's awesome. I think I like I said I'm a personal supporter of Neptune's Harvest. I've used it for years, and um, apparently I need to ramp up the amount that I use it, which is not a problem. So I'm gonna try it on my powdery mildew this year because I guarantee you that I'm gonna get it, and mm-hmm. I will be posting on Instagram exactly how it shakes out. So um, because I've tried Great. to use um the biggest one I've tried is, a uh, cow's milk. Apparently what I read is if you spray it on the leaves in the daytime, the enzymes in the cow's milk eats, um, it attacks the, um, powdery mildew spores and kills it. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you it doesn't work and it smells terrible when it gets hot. So <laughs> I <bet. laughs> yeah, I will not be doing that again, but I'm going to definitely use this cause, um, that's, that's something that I fight with every year, and it's, it's heartbreaking because you just see your plants get ate up with it, and you feel like there's nothing you can do about it.
1: I know. When you've done all that work to grow your garden, you just want to cry when something goes wrong.
0: Yeah. So, we've come to the part of the show where I ask the guests three different questions. Um, it kind of puts you on the spot. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs>
1: Thanks for the warning. (laughs) Hey,
0: no problem. So what is the one thing about having a garden that you enjoy the most?
1: Um, Looking at the beautiful colors um, and picking my own herbs and vegetables that I can cook with within minutes of harvesting. I can cook with them and the flavor and the nutritional value and the pride in that.
0: And uh, I mean... Uh, beautifully said, first of all, um, the pride in it is just, it's excellent. And then the other thing is, um, what is your favorite vegetable? And since you grow flowers and your favorite flower,
1: um, my favorite vegetable is probably the long thin eggplant. I love eggplants very, very much. Um, favorite flower. Ooh, I might have to go with the rose. Really? I'm a big rose fan. I'm a big deadhead, so we love our roses.
0: Oh, you're a deadhead. There you go. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> uh, is there a certain kind of rose, or just roses in general?
1: Um, I like the peace rose. That's absolutely gorgeous. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, I like the yellow ones and the the hybrid that are kind of peachy yellow. And, okay, and of course the red.
0: So truth moment. I know absolutely nothing about roses, so I just have to agree with whatever you say on that one. (laughs) (laughs) And then the final question, um, if you can't do it, it's okay, but we like to give a recipe out. Is there something simple, like you've mentioned herbs, is there like an herb combination with a vegetable that you particularly like or something like that?
1: Um, well, I'm full blooded Sicilian, so we love our wide leaf Italian parsley and our basil. um, So olive oil, garlic, parsley, basil, make anything you're cooking taste way better.
0: Yes, there you go. That's I mean, and that's perfect for what we do, because we always try to give out like easy recipes. And for everybody that's not from New England, uh, parsley is parsley. So just so (laughs) you know, okay, it took me three years to get used to the accent. So um, just so you guys know, that's what it is sorry and i had to do it i had to do it it's a (laughs) a one-of-a-kind accent people struggle with mine when i lived up there all the time so um but is there anything you want to tell everybody that's listening
1: um well we're we're real accessible and uh we're happy to talk to people so if you want to call um we have an 800 number 800-259-4769 or if you go on our website, there's a leave a comment section and all those go right to my email. So if you want to email me, just go to the comment section on our website and I will reply back to you. Uh, we're really, really user friendly here and we like to help you achieve your results. So more than happy to talk to you, email you, work with you. Um, if you want a sample, we'll send you a free sample. Um, we, we really believe in our products, so the proof's in the pudding. We're more than happy to send a sample for you to try. Um, yeah, we have a brand new liquid crab and lobster shell, so check that out. That's pretty cool. Uh, I think that's about it.
0: Okay, and the website for everybody is neptunesharvest.com? And yes. follow them on Instagram. I believe it's Neptune's harvest. Is that correct?
1: Yep, and Facebook, Facebook friend us because we always post testimonials and if you have a testimonial, send us one and uh, you know, some pictures and a testimonial we'll put it on there. We'll send you a free sh- t-shirt or a hat for your efforts.
0: There you go. Who doesn't want a free t-shirt or a hat? I know I do, so I know I'm gonna give you guys a testimonial um, about my powdery mildew when I attack it, but um excellent. yeah. So, Ann, I thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, You know, everybody, please check out Neptune's Harvest. It's neptunesharvest.com. You can get their products at your local gardening store, and you can get them on Amazon, or you can order directly from them as well. And, um, again, thank you so much and helping everybody. And until next time, we will catch you guys later. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. You can find us at Backyard Gardens The Movie on Facebook, and Backyard Gardener on Instagram and YouTube is Backyard Gardener where I'm doing videos showing cooking and building gardens and gardening tips, all kinds of good stuff. And you can find Batavia at... You'll
1: find me on Instagram at B underscore Better Garden and then you'll find me on Facebook, same name. And then I'm also over on YouTube at Be Better Garden. I am sharing hashtag Garden Joy every chance I get. I hope you enjoy.
0: So if you have any questions, hit us up on all of our platforms, anywhere you want. And we will be more than happy to help you with what you can. And again, thanks for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world people have feasting
1: and good times when the crops have been gathered in.